Thank you for tuning in to another episode of Clear Thinking, brought to you by Better Broadhead. Our town, their future. Please welcome your host, Aaron Menzel. Today, I am having a little informal conversation with Jen Wichita, who's the chairperson of the Better Broadhead Board. Welcome, Jen. Thank you, Erin. Welcome. So we just got back from CADCA Mid-Year, which was in Dallas, Texas, at the Gaylord Resorts. And we kind of just wanted to have like a little talk about everything we learned there. Um, it was a pretty fantastic convention, I think. What do you think? Um, it was great. Really, really intense, and we learned a lot. Um, so I think this is a great way to kind of wrap our heads around what we learned and be able to share what yeah. we learned, too. I think so, so we can, too. yeah, use all of the information we learned. Yeah, because I really felt, we talked about this yesterday, exhausted afterwards. Yes. Like, my brain was just fried completely, yes. <laughs> and I needed to, like recoup from that oh my oh, gosh man yes yes yeah some of the sessions were or were they all pretty much they were all about three hours long yes and then we had an ethics course that was six hours long right. so that was our entire day including all of our breaks so and yeah. most of the sessions were um lecture style yes which is packs a lot of information in but makes for a very long day <laughs> yeah. just sitting and getting information instead of being interactive with it. So this yeah. is kind of a nice way that we can be interactive with yeah. that information, yeah. too. So I thought we could kind of go chronologically, I guess. Yeah. Um, um, the next one I have was um, Marijuana, the Dangerous Truth and How to Message It. So it was a panel of... Um, some were doctors, some were coalition leaders, um, and they all had about like a 20-minute presentation. Mm. So that was that was really good. Um, so one of the big, huge, huge takeaways was that marijuana or in states that have it legalized as medical marijuana like to call it cannabis, yep. so it just has, even that naming is a little bit different. So um, so the cannabis now has much, much more THC, which is the drug part, than the CBD, so it's way more potent. So even just in the last, like, 10 years. So back in 2008, the THC to CBD ratio was 23 to 1. Um, in 2017, it jumped to 104 to 1. Wow. So it's saying that it's way, 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 way more potent. Right. And, um, Substantially. And way more than, like, my parents back in the hippie days right. when they used to like, yeah. yeah, it's way more potent. Um, and then they said, so if marijuana is smoked, the THC might be 17%, but with wax or oil, so like the, the dab, yeah. it can be up to 96% THC. Wow. So as a teacher, that really, really scares me yeah. as, like, you know, our high schoolers. Yes, we have some, like, 
big senior boys, but we have a lot of tiny little girls. So I feel like it would be easy for those kids to have an adverse effect or like take way too much. Right, yeah. That's really scary. They talked about the brain is still developing into your 20s. And so marijuana use can um, permanently influence your brain. Yeah. So one of the panels was from Colorado or Washington, and they their campaign was Weed Can Wait. So mm. not saying it's horrible right. or anything, right. but just like, wait. can you just wait until you like your brain is devo- is done developing? Right. Um, and some strategies for that. When they talked about pain management, they said yes, um, cannabis can be an option for pain management, but the doctors on the panel really suggested that um, you try everything else. First, and that should be like the last stop of of pain management. They also talked about messaging, which I thought was really interesting. So marijuana can be many things. It doesn't have to be all good or all bad. So if you're saying like marijuana is all bad, you're not really like saying the whole truth and... Right there, like, half of the population is going to stop listening right. to what you're exactly. saying and be defensive about it. Um, they also brought up that sometimes people are like, well, it's medicine. It's got to be good for everybody. And that isn't necessarily true. Like, there's a medicine warfarin, which yeah. is for like a blood thinner for people, which is good. But that's also found in rat poisoning. Right. So that doesn't mean that it's it's good and it's bad for that population. <laughs> That's a nice analogy. Yeah. Yeah. And then um, another thing is like, oh, people think that it's natural, mm-hmm. so it's got to be safe. They also talked about that marijuana is similar to alcohol in the fact that not everybody will become addicted to marijuana. Right. Not everybody is going to become addicted to alcohol. Yeah. But some people do. Right. So it's important to, to realize that we don't have to say, like, you don't have to be anti-marijuana or anti-alcohol, anti-anything to support youth prevention. Mm, yeah, and I, I like that point. Yeah, and a lot of times I think that messaging is back to that very polarizing, like it's either all good right. or all bad, but it's not. Right. But you and I can have a drink at home or mm-hmm. out, whatever. So we don't have to be anti-alcohol right. to be pro, to be supporting youth prevention yeah. and just wanting them to I wait. Think that's a perfect point. Yeah. Yeah, because yeah, I think that that message gets lost sometimes. You know, yes. that a coalition is completely anti-alcohol even though what they're just trying to say is, you know, we don't want our youth to drink mm-hmm. at a young age because of these factors. Right. You know? yeah. right. yeah. I think that's great. I'll just say a couple other things that I thought were interesting. They said, don't say, like, don't do myth versus fact. Because if you say myth, colon, marijuana is not addictive, people are just going to remember marijuana is not addictive right they're not going to go with the facts right yeah. right yeah. so so just say what you mean like marijuana can be addictive right you know right um and that marijuana being addictive is is like 
because the marijuana works on your dopamine reward center. Right. Um, also, fear-based campaigns are really not effective um, for behavioral change. It can cause people to be in denial. It can have people, like, shame. Right. Or other people. Oh, I yeah. don't have to worry about that. It's just those other people. One thing that does work is, like, figuring out your community. So the um, example that they had was they wanted to have a drug drop box location in their community and they had been trying and like nobody was participating and they couldn't figure out why it wouldn't catch on. Right. They re-looked at their community and they're like, oh, everybody, I think it was like by an ocean or something and everybody's really um, concerned about water quality and the environment. So they changed just their focus from just you should drop your drugs off at the drug box to drop your drugs off at the drug box so it doesn't go into the water system and contaminate, and the program took off. Yeah, that's an important key part of, like, coalitions is you should have a really great knowledge of what your community finds important and doesn't, you know, or, like, isn't going to respond to. So that's smart. And I feel like we at Better Broadhead always want more people who are involved. Like, we welcome. Right views because your view and my view of something could be totally different because we are involved in different things we have different life experiences even though we both are living and working in the same community exactly so it's important that we solicit those um ideas from people yeah and then we went to the branding one together didn't we we did next one that was such a great that was one of my favorites um Yes. To really understand that your brand is more than a logo, but it's like the feeling people get from hearing Better Broadhead or seeing the logo. And I know we have a lot of work to do in that area, but it like translates into everything that you put out there is a certain, even just the fonts. Like if you think about Coca-Cola, no matter what they put out there, you immediately recognize that font and that color in Disney as well. Like everything they put out there is in that same swooping fonts that you know this is yes. Disney. So really thinking about it in like a marketing or business sense. Mm-hmm. Like we're marketing this idea that we're, you know, building a community where everyone is safe and valued. And, you know, we're a prevention coalition. We're not an anti-alcohol coalition, <laughs> you know. Or like, economic development. Economic development, yeah. And as we were sitting there, people were like, oh, well, I would have thought this Better Broadhead was a better business bureau just from looking at the logo. So mm-hmm. there's some things that we have to kind of reevaluate and how Which we're is putting that images out there. Awesome, though, because yeah. to be able to get that feedback. It's great. And to be able to, I mean, they said that, you know, coalitions – go through times of change and that's fine and when we first got together you know this was what we came up with right we have so much more experience now and so much more knowledge right that yeah let's really change it so prevention is right in our tagline exactly so it's very clear yeah and youth youth prevention we don't we we want to put laws against or like put anything out there that oh shaming people for for drinking alcohol if they're over right. 21. No. Right. No. Exactly. Yeah, that's not the point of no. the coalition. It's youth prevention. Yeah. Yep. And um, so we're going to start working on some of that and try to get 
some of that brand loyalty, not necessarily loyalty, but that people look at Better Broad and they're like, oh, this this isn't about healthy communities. This is like right. prevention. Um, and so, I think it's important to also say that there was like everybody had yes, similar issues. We were not the only ones. No, no. So it was a great time to to share. Yes. And also um, just validate that it's not like we're bad. Right. Other people are struggling with the same they thing. Are. How can we improve? Yes. So it wasn't a negative. No, not at all. And it was, um, we sat at a table with a couple of ladies from Hawaii mm-hmm. and they were like, yeah, we have the same issues. Like mm-hmm. we've been around for a long time, but people still don't really understand what we're for. And they're like, why do we have this hula girl? We <laughs> thought it was really pretty, but now that we think about it, what does it really mean for our coalition, you right. know? And, yeah, just having that feeling of frustration validated, I think, was really right. great. And we're not alone. Right. And we all can learn, so. Yeah, yeah, yeah that was was a great one. Um, and we were thinking also, like, our podcast logo, our Y to Y logo, our safe group logo, they should all be kind of similar so you have that same feel mm-hmm. of this is a better, broadened, organization Mm -hmm. or like we're all in the same house right exactly Mm -hmm. so how do we how do we get that accomplished so that'll be something we'll have to work on Mm -hmm. this year it'll be good work I mean I think that's a good goal (laughs) oh yeah for sure I think it's doable yeah the next day we had to do ethics right yes yeah we thought it was going to be such a daunting task like six hours of ethics this is going to be horrendous how are we going to get through the day it was yeah we were were really Pleasantly surprised. Um, Stephanie, is it Schrottner? Yes. Yeah, she was our instructor. She did the branding session that we went to, and then the next day we had her for ethics, and it was really an amazing training. It was. Yeah. I love. She really did a lot of interactive mm-hmm. thinking as a group and then going out to the entire group. Mm-hmm. Like at, at the, your, every table you do an exercise of like an ethical dilemma based on the principles of prevention ethics. And then you work through it, and then you talk about it as a group. And really some mind-opening discussions, I think. And our table, it kind of fluctuated throughout the day. It did. But we had um, one lady from a large coalition in Georgia from a very affluent community. community. And then there was you and I... um, there was another person who was from a pretty conservative area in Ohio. Ohio. Yep, and she was relatively new to the whole prevention right. thing. Um, she had done recovery before, mm-hmm. so it was a, a different world uh-huh. to her. We had a lady from Connecticut who was... She was so busy with so many things. She was a social worker in the yes. school. She had her own private practice as a therapist. Yep. Was also um, in the, her prevention coalition. Yeah, I don't know if she was staff or she was volunteer. I think she was a volunteer, okay. wasn't she? And, I don't remember. And yeah. it was like urban, yes, large. Um, so it was completely different <laughs> but it was so good and then there was the the woman from san antonio yeah, she was amazing and her coalition so the lady in from ohio had like two counties yes then this this woman from san antonio had san antonio yes the entire city yes which how difficult would that be right Ugh. yes 
But she had such a thriving coalition. Yes. And a huge youth um, coalition as well. And they're right. doing like a podcast mm-hmm. and creating music. And right. She was very inspirational, yes. I felt. Yeah. So it was good to have all of those different ideas yes. because we did find out that in some of the situations, we would handle it differently in our community yes. because our community is different than all the other yes. coalitions in their communities. Yep. So I think that was also really good that, you know, trust in yourself and right. knowing your community and knowing what would work. Right. And, and it's not just black and white. Like yes. there's a lot of gray and right. you have to take those those things into consideration. Mm-hmm. Like what would be ethical in Broadhead? Not right. what is ethical in Connecticut. Yeah, that was a really mm-hmm. important um, point. Mm-hmm. And I feel like a lot of the messages came back to supporting. Yes. Like, it's not just, like, you're right and you're wrong. Right. It's like, okay, how can we do better? And how can we support people in our community yes. um, or volunteers yeah. to do better? So I thought yeah. that was a really, really positive Yeah message at least at our table that's what we talked about a lot yeah and we did talk a lot about how it wouldn't be just one person's decision yeah it would be like the coalition board coming together and you hash it out like you really talk about what is the problem Mm -hmm. what are the possible solutions what is the ethical problem Mm -hmm. here and then what would be the outcomes Mm -hmm. from every solution that you came up with and then what is the best possible scenario? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then the, also the evaluation afterwards, yes. like How always looking go? at your work. Yes. Like, yes, evaluating, reflecting yes. on it. Yeah, that and, was an important mm-hmm. part as well. Yeah, that evaluation. Yeah. It was a great day. Yes. I felt really exhausted afterwards, but it was a great day. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So Thursday morning then was our last day. Oh, yeah. And it was, I mean, it was an intense convention there was was so much information yeah um i went to one call it called preparing adult advisors for effective youth engagement which i think was really great and i also feel like i had an advantage being a teacher yeah um i think that we have an advantage in our coalition that our youth to youth had in the past been run by teachers and now will continue to be run by teachers because we are with our kids every day. We have a sense of, like, who they are. Um, We're more invested in that Mm -hmm. than um, most of the coalitions just had somebody who was, like, a A staff person. Yeah, who was youth advising. Mm -hmm. So um, I think that we can be really successful in that. I think so, too. They talked about... ACEs. And have you talked on your podcast about ACEs? No, we haven't. That's probably something we should do. Because uh-huh. I think that's important for people to understand. Yeah. Yeah. Adverse childhood experiences. Yes. Right? Yeah. And the more adverse childhood experiences or events that people have, the kind of higher risk they are for a lot of things like right. health risks, um, substance use. Um, just kind of like unhealthy relationships. Um, So it was talking, how she brought that up was just making sure that we know that our youth all have a different story. They all come from different backgrounds than even we do. Um, And that 
kind of is what kids bring to the table and let's work with kids. Um, And also that, so ACEs are the the negative things or the traumas, but then those protective factors are the things that kind of counteract um, the ACEs and that adults and adult advocates are really important protective factor. So not only like as a youth youth advisor or as a teacher, but any caring an adult right. in a youth's um, life is a protective factor. Exactly. And so that's pretty huge. It is, yeah. And it, it went over again some of the same things like um, partnership between adults and the youth. She framed it as we are raising adults, not working with youth. So it is our our job to help and support these kids as they're becoming adults. Right. We can't treat them like little kids that don't know anything. We can't Mm -hmm. treat them like adults yet because we're in the position to help support them and guide them and lead them to be those adults that will be in our community. I like that. That's like that positive framing, like just a different way of thinking about it. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, she was very positive and was like, you know, telling a story about um, a a youth and really kind of setting the expectations. She went up to him and she's like, you need to show your greatness. You know, you are not living. I can see that you are a great person and you are going to be doing a lot of things and how you're acting right now. Is that really, are you showing your greatness right now? Yeah. It's a great way to approach. Yes. I love it. Um, And then we did some activities just about like what we bring to the table how that influences our view of things. Um, and also, um, I thought it was interesting when she talked about adultism. Oh. And that was like blaming behavior problems only on the youth. Oh. Like, so they are responsible for all the problems. Well, mm, not, not necessarily. Right. Yeah. Um, another adult ism thing is assuming that youth cannot help themselves so doing the work for them Ah. but it's really important for growth to be able to support the kids so they do their work right um lacking the understanding or denying the realities of young people so you know not realizing that they grew up in a world with internet. Right. I've always right. had internet and social media. Um, and then also failing to recognize generational differences between my generation and their generation, or baby boomers right. and generation right. or millennials Z. even. So right. generation Z, there's a big difference. Right. Yeah. So basically treating youth like people that you have and to like support. Kindness and respect. Yeah. So it was good. Yeah. And then in the afternoon, yeah. I went to one, and it I thought it was a different one. I read the time wrong. And then I went to another one, and it was not something that I could use, and I was so over it. Oh, So yeah. then I started going through our materials and rewriting my conference notes, right. kind of organizing them better. Yeah. Um, because I needed that time yeah, you also. Yeah, kind of do. I, it was four days of... Yeah. Intense. Learning, intense learning. Right. Um, that afternoon I went to um, the power of storytelling or the science of storytelling. So 
um, two ladies from a college in Florida who had this idea of what makes a good story. So they brought in like um, social psychologists and all sorts of different experts and came together and talked about like the seven things that make a story really good. Um, the seven principles of storytelling. So they were um, structure, master and counter narratives, use emotion with intention, deceptive cadences, like surprising your audience mm. not lying to them but like keeping some elements of the story hidden oh. until the opportune time um true stories have to feel true um narrative transportation so like when you're reading a fantastic book you're transported into that world it's like someone can come oh. into the room and you don't even realize right. it because you're just entrenched in these people's stories and then leave some room for your audience so not telling every single detail because a person will create the story in their mm. minds by just having like bare bones kind of information because okay. then they can create it themselves um and I sat next to a gentleman who was a big film nerd, and I'm a big film nerd, <laughs> and we were like, oh, like, all of these elements are in some of our favorite films. Mm -hmm. Like, once you kind of start analyzing what you're watching, you're like, oh, there's so many times where there's a deceptive cadence. Like, you don't find out until the end who the actual murderer mm -hmm. is. They've left room for you to, like, try to figure oh, out who it is. Sure. And then at the end, mm -hmm. you are like, oh, my God, that's not who I thought it was. Those are some of my favorite movies where I can't figure it out. Mm -hmm. um, and also books, too. Like, if I can figure out within the first chapter, like, what the whole story is going to be, I'm done with it. But if I'm completely drawn in by the story, mm -hmm. um, I'll read it until the end in, like, one day sometimes, you mm -hmm. know. Um, so I thought it would be a great tool a great tool for like the why to why kids because they want to try to start telling their stories about why they're passionate oh, they're about so eager substance use prevention and then also with a podcast too to make them more um you know grow our audience mm -hmm. and tell a better story i mean i think sometimes it's more of an interview kind of thing mm -hmm. but i would like to start interviewing people who have lived experience and right. how do we create that story and you know, it be truthful and reach people with emotions. So it was a great, great session. And then we also got to um, try out oh, like a yeah, beta version yeah. of a training module. Um, and some things that I took away from the module, which I really liked because it was like explaining parts of a coalition or why we do what we do. Um, and then examples, models that you had to, like, put to their parts. Kind of like a matching. Right. Um, so, and stuff that I knew, but it was good to be reminded of it. So, like, our, our strategic prevention framework, like, right. how we do activities. So, first we have to do the assessment. Like, what is the problem? Right. And then the capacity, which is, like, who can help us or what do we need? Um, and then planning. And I think it's really important to also let everybody know and remember when we're doing it that everything that we do is evidence-based. Right. So that's like a big thing in schools. Like yes. everything has to be evidence-based. But I think also when we're working with the community, like 
to build that trust and transparency that we're not just like making stuff up just because it sounds good. But everything (laughs) that we we do is evidence-based and it's based in prevention work, youth prevention. Um, And then, you know, we do the activity, the program, the campaign, whatever. We implement it. And then evaluate it. Well, how did it go? Did we meet the goals? How could we improve it? What should we do next time? I I think that's a piece we need to work on. Mm -hmm. A little bit more is that evaluation piece. Yes. How did this campaign go? How did this um, training go? How did, you know, workshops and all that stuff. Yes. Yeah, the evaluation, the reflection, I think is... I think it's hard. Even in teaching, it it's is. hard because everything just seems like it's go, 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 both yes. in coalition and teaching that you kind of forget the yeah. evaluation part. Um, and then another part from that module was the seven strategies for community change. So everything that we do or provide goes to the community about youth prevention, goes into either providing information, which is one of the changes, um, building skills, um, provide social support, and those are all individually based. So those mm-hmm. are, are great, but we're not getting, we're not blanketing right. a huge population. Right. Whereas um, reducing barriers or enhancing access, like making things more available mm-hmm. to people, um, changing the consequences or improving the incentives, um, altering the physical design of an environment, and change in policy and rules that hits a lot more people. Yep, that's like that environmental change. Yeah. That's kind of the goal of prevention is when you change the environment, you're going to actually make a huge difference. Your outcome is going to be a lot larger. Right. And so in some of those people might not see like the policy and change. Right. You might not be noticing it, but it does make a bigger difference it than does. me handing out papers. Yes. That's kind of the goal of most coalitions is to make that huge change. Like um, we talked about in our problem analysis that information we received as kids are going to like the dam park and um smoking cannabis mm-hmm. and using the right word um you know and drinking and how can we change you know how can we work with some people to like how can we change the environment mm-hmm. there so that kids aren't going out there mm-hmm. how can we improve things right in a large sense rather than just providing some information or having a training mm-hmm. that kind of thing and that was the goal of the podcast too was to in, enhance access to information like getting a larger reach because when we only have five people show up to something are you really making a difference right you know right so yeah that was a I liked their um their little training tool and it should be out I think they said pretty soon mm-hmm. right um, so we're hoping that our board members will, will fit in some time for them to sh- start taking the modules or doing the training. So right. they have a little bit bu- un- better understanding. Cause I think even people who are in the coalition are like, what are we really, right? what are we really doing? It's, it's easy to lose focus. Yeah. Yeah. Cause you just get wrapped up in the next thing and the yes. next thing and the next thing and not have that 
background knowledge always right. in focus about why we're doing it or what yeah what kind of change is it right yeah so I think overall like we just learned so much yes it's a crazy conference I feel like just but you said it was like the best one that you've it was been to. yeah yeah it really was um having those training sessions was more useful I think than previous conferences I've gone to mm-hmm. it's just like Initial information are like you're new to coalition services, and I think those some of those conferences are better for like new board members Mm -hmm. or new new members, so they can go and learn about prevention and like small snippets. But this was like really getting down into the nitty gritty of coalition work, which I loved. So, Mm -hmm. well, thanks for that conversation. I think we, I think we covered most of the stuff that we went through. Yes. Yay! Thanks, Erin. You're welcome. Thanks for being here. Mm-hmm. Thank you for listening to another episode of Clear Thinking, brought to you by Better Broadhead. For information of upcoming events and meetings, please visit our website at betterbroadhead.org and be sure to subscribe to our email list.